You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between exercise and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 women develop fitter minds and bodies in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to episode 13 of Fit Mind, Fit Body. Today, we talk to Sharon Gunton about her running story, including what it's like to compete in an Ironman. Enjoy. Okay, today we are very lucky to have Sharon Gunton at um, Fit Mind, Fit Body. She has come to my house and is sitting in front of me. So rather than it being a recording over Zoom, we are recording in my office. Well, still over Zoom. <laughs> Anyway, welcome Sharon. It's a pleasure to have you here on Fit Mind Fit Body. Thank you very much, Michelle. Now, we've known each other for some years uh, in the running space. That's how we got to know each other. But I think the listeners would love to hear a little bit about your story. Like, who are you? Where did you grow up? What do you do? What's your family like? Give us a little bit of background. Right. I grew up in Launceston. I have one child with four grandchildren. And uh, husband, Timmy, that also runs, um, which has been a great support over the years when our child was younger. I would run and he would walk run with the child on the bike and the dog and or we'd wow. go down. We'd live for 10 years, uh, 95 to 2005 in Brisbane. Yeah. So um, we'd go to the Gold Coast and they'd go off to SeaWorld or DreamWorld and I'd go for a run if I was training for Gold Coast Marathon and then we'd go back, have lunch and it was all a family affair for the afternoon. So there's different ways you can do it. So you don't feel that you're actually totally selfish when you're having time to yourself to run. Yes, with these children that so many of us um, running women seem to have kids and some of them say they're running to get away from their children. Yeah. Some of them are running to keep up with their children or some combination of both, actually. And mainly when he was little on the tracks through Brisbane, um, around West End and things like that, we'd go down there and he'd ride his bike and probably I'd done my sprint work then trying to chase after him. Oh, wow. He would just ignore, like most children, ignore when you yelled out stop to a road <laughs> and he'd have to run a bit faster. So I always said that was my... I didn't have to do speed work. That was my speed work. Just that catching up to him before something happened. Happened, yeah. Stop. There's an intersection or a road. So why did you start running? I ran a little bit in Launceston. Yeah. Most of started walking and then started running. I worked at three gyms. Uh So I was an aerobic instructor or a personalised trainer. So that being fit has always been a part of your adult life? Yes. Yes. What about as a child? No, I played... um, school softball yeah. netball just made the team there was nothing stunning about that yeah um and then decided to get fit joined the gym i was actually in a gym when they were after an instructor and the woman that was managing theogenies at the time said you'd make a good instructor yeah. so i went off and done the course and continued to work at theogenies good and then I uh, worked at the YMCA, taking classes, and there was another gym in Cameron Street at the time, and worked there, wow. doing personalised training and so classes. So how did you move from 
the gym stuff to running, like to pure running? When we went to Brisbane, I was in Tawong Fitness Centre mm-hmm. and there was three, I was in the middle, females on treadmills one morning. Mm-hmm. We'd put our children into the childcare and um, it, was, it was through school holidays and we just started talking and found out that one was from Sydney, one was from New Zealand, I was from Tassie. And so we'd, a couple of mornings we'd just walk talking about our lives, what we've done. Um, One in particular, Joe from New Zealand, um, done a lot of trial running in New Mm -hmm. Zealand. So we were quite intrigued about that. And she's like, can you ladies run? What are, you know, beautiful weather in Brisbane. What are we doing inside a gym? So from then on, every morning at nine o'clock, we dropped children off at school once they got to, or when it was school holidays, into the crash and we'd go for our run. Oh, wow. Summer and winter. So, some so you did that every morning? Like mornings, it was, yep, wow. Yep, every morning at 9 o'clock we'd meet and go for a run. And how far would you go? Um, 20 k's most days. Wow. Most weeks we were sitting on about 120 k's a week. Gosh. And then we'd sort of meet up, depending on what their lives were, their husbands um, were quite busy with their jobs. Mm-hmm. So um, depending on what if they had child-free time or anything, we'd go for a run over the weekend. But... Friday mornings at five o'clock, we'd meet at Mount Bottom and Mount Kutha. Mm-hmm. There was a group of us. So we'd meet there and then run Mount Kutha. So we got home in time to get children up and husbands off to work and oh, wow. things. And yeah, if you had time, you'd go back to bed and have a little nap and <laughs> then you'd get up again and start your day. So make you run a bit faster so you get a bit more time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was interesting at the time. There was probably about eight, ten of us. We'd run Mount Kutha every morning, regardless of weather. We'd run Mount Kutha every Friday morning. So that's a um, trail, like a trail? Run? No, that was or road. That, that was a road, a road up around Mount Kutha to the lookout and back yeah. down. Okay. So. Is it, what's the incline like for seven? Quite steep. Mm. Mm. So a very good workout. Mm. Yes. Yes, it was <laughs> very good. So how do you find those friendships, the ones that you forged through that you know, consistently meeting up and, you know, going out and doing this running. Have you found those friendships are ones that have lasted or? Definitely, yes. Um, jo, she was in Tassie about 12 months ago. Yeah. So we caught up for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, if I went to Sydney, I'd go and see her. Yeah. Um, stayed there at her place, Sydney Marathon and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I don't really see Cara much. She moved off. Um, and the ones in Brisbane, we still caught up with them 12 months ago. No, it would have been two years ago. Thank for you, Warwick. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> Warwick Pentathlon. Um, so we all met up there. And any time we go to Brisbane, we go and run with the Brisbane Running Buddies at 5 o'clock at South Bank. So what do you think, why do you think it's those experiences that have set, you know, in your mind or in your brain or whatever, some place... <laughs> That, that mean that basically they really stick? Like those relationships, I suppose that's what I'm saying, when you've had those kind of experiences with those people. The group that I made friends with and done a lot of running with were all transient into Brisbane. Yeah. Um, Tess was at the time about the only one that had come from Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd have barbecues over weekend and we'd um, have things like food from where you come from. So yeah. I'd take all Tassie cheeses <laughs> or we'd have... A beer day so we'd all take a beer from where we come from so there was um lizzie was or lot g was from holland 
and he was from South Africa and was from South Africa. It was quite a few from South Africa, but different parts. Yeah. So it was interesting listening to them. Um, they'd start speaking Afrikaans. Um, and Lotji from Holland, because it was so close, mm -hmm. she could pick up the conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Joe was from New Zealand. So I think it was just Christmas we spent. Um, I'd come home after Christmas, yeah. spent Christmas with them. We'd run Christmas morning, we'd do track work, and then yeah. we'd just have a glass of champagne and <laughs> we'd, off we'd go to our Christmas or, or we'd meet up and have... Um, because the one really had families. Yeah. So we'd meet up and in the afternoon or have lunch together. And, you know, I think it was because we were all transient. Yeah. So um, you sort of, you know, formed a tight network, which started because of the running and then the friendships. And that they were our family, well. you know. Um, if I needed a babysitter, they were the first ones. They mm. were, yeah, the family. Mm. So do you, do you think that was also the reason you kept running? Or did, did that have any part of you continuing to run like the accountability of turning up to run with them and all oh that. definitely because yeah there were we're going to do this there was between a group of people there was a group that were doing comrades mm -hmm. um and he's she got a green ticket she'd ran it 10 years so i have done all the training for comrades but never ran it <laughs> um and it was just sometimes we would just you know different people have injuries so she was had to go out and run 70 k's 80 k's yeah. Oh, 60 um and she just have spots along the way and it was like oh yep i can run 10ks from south bank to west end and then someone would pick her up there and run 20ks with her and we just catch a ferry back or Aww. yeah so it was that just kept you going there was always you know even if you just ran 5ks you knew that you were helping someone yeah. to achieve the goal yeah. and there was always people with goals even i mean you'd have your own i guess but there's also people in that group who would have their own goals that you could support yes yes and they were it was such a well wide range of different runners that um yeah that and no one if you only ran 5k's well that was okay but there was a group of us that done our first marathon all together and we went to sydney marathon it was run the blue line so oh, was that the, from the sydney olympics yes blue line? and that was <laughs> yes and that ended at homebush yeah Hmm. Oh wow! Yes. Yeah, so, so when you came back to Tasmania, you must have really missed that group. I did. Yeah. Yes, but then you just you start looking around Launceston or whatever city you go to for running groups, and you start asking people, and um, just random phone calls like Launceston Running Club. You just yeah. see a name and go, oh, I'll just ring that person and see if they do runs through the week or. You know, and then that's how we came running with the Launceston Running Club. And how long ago was that? Did you say 2001 when you came back? Five. 2005? Five, yeah. So. And then you started um, running with the running Launceston Running Club around then? Yes. I assume. Yeah, and then Jan Lynch, we started running oh, yeah. with her mm -hmm. on a Sunday. And then it's just it's become so splinter groups that go off. Obviously, we... you guys have family here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But is it like... Um, like when you're in Queensland in a way, in that you also have a big network of friends because of the running you've done here as well? Yes. You find? Yeah. It's, um, and they are a big part of your life, mm. to meet someone, to go for a run. As, as much as I am happy to run on my own, mm -hmm. sometimes you need that interaction with people. Um, with my job, I have been away 
uh, as a reserve army reservist, I have been away on a few deployments mm -hmm. and you go away for eight months. Wow. But it is nice to come back and sometimes you just want that time on your own. Yeah. And then you realise that you can't lock yourself away. You have mm -hmm. to get out there. And that's usually why Tim has said to me, you need to go for a run with the Tuesday girls. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> off I go. Um, because you think sometimes that they don't actually understand what your job's done or what, you, you know, eight months being away, yeah. you end up forming another bond of mm -hmm. friends, um, even though you've lived with them, ate with them and you don't want to be with them anymore mm -hmm. when you come home the first people you ring is them to see if they're okay yeah so because um, i mean this would probably minimize it a lot when you're talking about you know doing something with the army reserve as you said versus running a marathon but when you when a group of people go and do something like that that pushes them whether it's mentally and or physically they're kind of um you know, when you do something really hard together with a group of people, it does form bonds. Mm. And the same with, um, you know, running the marathon. I know it's n it's nothing like the extreme stuff that you guys have had to deal with when you're um, being deployed, but it still, you know, it knits people together, together. having to um, have those experiences together. That. And it's still your mind. You have to mm. still, whether you're running a marathon or you just happen to get up to go to work every day in the mm. same place, um, doing PT, going to work, going to the gym after work because there is nothing else to do or running around a base. Um, a lot of it is mental mm -hmm. that you mentally, you have to for, yeah, force yourself to get out there and participate. So how do you do that? What do you say to yourself? How do you make yourself get out there on those days when it's like, no thanks? Get out of bed. <laughs> you <laughs> so have you just to tell yourself to get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and everyone can make excuses, but um, yeah. at the end of the day, you have to, if you have a goal in mind, whether it's a 5K run through to an ultra marathon, if you have a goal, you'll find yourself that you will you will do it. You can actually get out of bed and no one likes running in the rain, but sometimes it's nice. It's nice. I find I don't like stepping into the rain. Rain, yes. But I love that once I'm already running, but which starts raining while I'm running, right. I have no problem with that as, at all, unless it's windy and coming straight into my face. There's always a but. <laughs> yeah. Don't like it like that. But yeah, I think um, the strategies that people use to keep themselves accountable, whether it's running with other people or putting all their clothes out, you know, the night the night before or whatever it is, or having some star chart on the fridge like you did when the kids were little <laughs> but sometimes it is as simple as putting your clothes out mm. and then you just get up and it becomes a bit of a habit if you run every tuesday you just put your clothes out monday night and then you just get up and do it <laughs> one of our friends suggested recently when i had to get up really early for a run that i uh go to bed in my running clothes because <laughs> then i wouldn't have any excuse that i wake up i was like oh too sure about that. I have a minute. I have slept in skins <laughs> to get up for a marathon. Yes, it's just all you have to do is go to the bathroom. So, Sharon, tell me how many marathons or ultra marathons have you run in and completed? I have completed 50 marathons. Jesus. So, I started off, um, and that was a goal. I, I really don't know whether it's still out there, but it was to do all the states. 
in, in Australia. In Australia no yeah, no. so um, that took a while because Alice Springs was the only one in the Northern Territory mm -hmm. and that always, always can cite the same weekend as South Australia, Adelaide Marathon. Oh. So that was always, yeah, you had to, had to yeah. yeah. So it ended up being, you, you think that you can do them within a certain amount of time, but they don't always All work that. that. Yeah. And then after I'd done that, I decided I'd move on to the continents. So run all the continents. So and not I'm, just go and do a run, but do a marathon in each Yes, of yes. And, not, and there is, um, I can't remember the name, but it's the big marathons um, like New York and, and things like that. So I wasn't interested in doing that. Yeah. I was interested in doing different runs in countries. So yeah. we'd done St. Petersburg in Russia. Yeah. Um, we'd done Bangkok. Yeah. Which was hot. Hot and it started at two o'clock in the morning. Oh wow. So so I think you could have an excuse for sleeping in your clothes. We'd done a prior run the day before on a toot toot and <sighs> with all the you know Bangkok traffic. So we decided that we had to leave about midnight to get to this run and we were there an hour and a half early and <laughs> we sat in the gutter because there was nowhere to sit um we decided that tim and i looked at each other and we decided we'd have a pretty have a go at this one like yeah. and we got five k's into it and the humidity um was just too hard and they had big bowls of deep heat yeah. so you, the smell of the deep heat as you were coming into a um water station was just <laughs> i was horrible It'd take your breath away and yeah. if you stopped you had these um, people that would just smother you in deep heat. Like they just lather you all over in deep heat. And you didn't want to run next to one of them people because it was just... Oh, I guess in your nasal passages it would always be very clear. Oh, and it, it took your breath away and you... <laughs> wow. As you're running along. Um, and then part of that was on a freeway. Yeah. So they'd close the freeway, um, which was very hot, no shelter. Mm -hmm. Um, for little Tasmanians that are used to the cold. That was a bit of a shock. Uh -huh. um, ran Prague Marathon. Wow. So that was over a lot of cobblestones. Mm. So, and before we went, like we weren't, um, we knew where we were running, you, you look into it, um, but you don't, and people can tell you um, how hard it is on your feet, mm -hmm. but you don't actually realise until you run until it. You you, you understand what they're saying, yeah. but, it, yeah, so um, especially the sides of your big toes, if oh. they clip the cobblestones yeah. in between, um, after a while that can hurt. Um, and then in America, my goal was to do the Marine Corps Marathon. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts is this? Washington, mm -hmm. D.C. So we went up and done that, and then a week later we flew across to the other side of America and done run the strip in Vegas. Oh, so you run into Vegas at eleven o'clock at night, well, depending on what the time you do. Just waking up, wouldn't it? <laughs> so yes, yeah, so it's pretty specky running into Vegas. Like the whole, you run the whole strip. Yeah. So you run in. I've not been there. So. It's um yeah lights and Tim and I but moths to lights so um for art well for, especially for me that was just pretty special running in oh, wow. um but half of it was random industrial state and it was really cold because it's a desert so overnight it was cold. cold so 
you finish and they just give you the blankets and yeah walking through all the casinos with your silver blanket around you <laughs> just wanting to get back to your room because you're freezing and, oh, and people just staring at you thinking what are you doing you could have just stayed here and played the pokies what is wrong with you people <laughs> so that was a good experience and then oh before we went to vegas we'd actually tim had friends in philadelphia or new jersey mm -hmm. so we end up doing a 10k um it was to do with a disability school. Ah. So um, we belong to a group called I Run For Michael. Mm -hmm. So we both have um, buddies that we're being paired with mm -hmm. and we stayed with his family in New Jersey, oh. which was absolutely fantastic. And so we end up doing a Philadelphia Run The Bridge. Yeah. And that was run by the school and they just treated us like rock stars. So you get paired with, just because I think that's an interesting um, thing to talk about, um, because a lot of people's goals for running are, you know, they're not, selfish is the wrong word, and there's nothing wrong with being selfish. Like we have a goal to run a marathon, but it's a personal goal. goal. Mm -hmm. um, but there is also these other things which are available where you can run for someone else. else. And, and so the goal is completely different than because it's so away from you and what you're doing is really sharing that experience with someone who uh, possibly can't uh, you know do the same kind of things Think. because physically they're not able to mm. so you know how does that motivate you guys oh a, a lot um tim was paired with chris mm -hmm. um and his mother and tim just clicked it was yeah. it's a really special bond mm -hmm. Um, so we send medals and things when we finish a run, um, wow. exchange Christmas greetings and things, yeah. birthdays. And I was paired and we, I was lucky enough to meet her, um, Deanna, mm -hmm. and they're from the high desert Palmdale mm -hmm. in California. Yeah. So we went up into the high desert to see them. And wow. when we already knew, um, she was playing a soccer game. So yeah. she's in a wheelchair and um when i got there that was sort of you know we met and then the coach said to me um oh you're her buddy and i said yes he said do you want to push her for the soccer matches Aww. so it was the best experience i've ever had um with the wheelchair um the team the other team of dis disabled children didn't turn up so they just grabbed um, a group of young kids and said come play soccer with these kids oh. and they were absolutely fantastic and I, I don't think you don't realize that the Australian accent is so strong <laughs> so every time I said something um like they're like you from Australia and um one little down syndrome girl kept calling me Miss Australia <laughs> so um yeah we were getting to the goals and I didn't know the rules and you know they were giving me a hard time because I was just like, at one stage, I put the ball on the front of the wheelchair and I just ran the length of the pitch. But yeah. I didn't, couldn't work out how I was going to get the ball into the goal. <laughs> and so everyone just stopped and we were all standing at the goals and one of the Down syndrome girls is just like, oh, it's just like this, Miss Australia. <laughs> and you, she pulled her leg back and made her kick the ball and <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the boys from this other team, they kept saying to me, you speak funny. And I was like, no, you speak funny. And we were just running around this soccer pitch. I had a ball and they ended up playing another two games. So oh, wow. it was the best experience. So, 
So I guess it's only running that has opened that up for you. Yes. Hasn't it? Like yeah. being able to do that. that mm. And gives you another goal or mm. another, you know, you're not just running for yourself. Not that there's anything wrong with that because that's what I basically only run for myself. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, even um, Tim's buddy, his mother gets married November, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, invite to the wedding. We would definitely go if it wasn't for COVID. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it's just like, oh no. Um, yeah, and you know it, that would be one thing if we ever won Tats Lotto, they would be that would be the first thing would be bring them to Australia. Yeah. Um, because they opened up their home, we stayed um, at her parents' place. Yeah. They gave up their bedroom for us. Oh wow. Um, it was just absolutely fantastic. We, yeah. um, the only thing that was a really big bonus for me was I thought, oh, I'll go down to the bottle shop and buy a bottle of wine for dinner, and I ended up finding Vogue's in a ah. little bottle shop <laughs> in the no middle way, of right New Jersey. <laughs> so it was like, yes, Vogue's. <laughs> so, of all those marathons, what's your favourite one, do you reckon? Um, Russia, St. Petersburg. Um, Oh, that's fantastic. What was it about Russia that you liked? Just how everyone was so friendly. It was so safe. Yeah. Um, Putin had the whole of the Russian Navy in port. Wow. So you actually ran along the river um, and just to see all, those all these boats, patrol boats and things that we call them here um, all around. Yeah, they've got some serious... Arsenal there. Yeah, that was pretty good to, yeah. to see that. Um, and you're used to in Australia, you're used to running. Um, one of the goals is if you run a marathon, you have to make a friend, Michelle. Oh, yes, that is actually, everyone listening, one of the first things that Sharon told me when I did my first marathon was that it's a rule, <laughs> you have to make a friend, a new friend mm. in your big marathon. And Michelle made a friend from Launceston. <laughs> Supposed to be someone from. <laughs> um, so you you here in Iran, some people are so serious they don't talk. But at the back of the pack, where I usually am, you hear people talking and chatting. And even if you don't participate, you can still just knowing you know that just hearing that mm-hmm. talking um, can be quite good for you mentally if you're struggling. struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, but overseas, especially in Prague and Russia. Um, because I was from so many different countries, I was running along and I was trying to guess what country they come from. I <laughs> never knew whether I was right because didn't I didn't get to talk. But, um, yeah, that was one of the things that really struck me when we finished that. I didn't actually get to talk to anyone, um, even usually run up alongside someone or someone runs past you and it's like, hey, you going? Um, and they'll either give you a thumbs up or grunt at you or start talking to you. Yeah. Um, over there, you'd sort of say, oh, how are you going? And they would just look at you and think, no, oh, they don't understand English. I didn't know what you just said. That. <laughs> <laughs> the weird Australian lady. So. so what is it that keeps you running? Like, what is it? Why do you keep running? Well, I always say been, vanity. <laughs> you keep running for vanity. Yeah. So what do you think running is giving you vanity-wise? Is it when you physically look in the mirror, you think it's a... A good thing. Oh, the rubber. Yes, yes. Yeah. It is. So, so you think it keeps you thin? Is that? By it, the way, everyone, you... Sharon's very thin. I don't know that she's ever not been thin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I suppose mentally and yes, I, you can 
have your chocolates and you can have a wine mm. um, if you know you're going for a 5K run the next day. So this is something I know about you that maybe not lots of people do. Well, they might do. drunk. Well, no, I was going to talk about the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever smoked, Sharon? Yes, I, I have. I have, but that was before I started running. So when did you – tell me about your smoking story briefly. Because there would be plenty of people who are thinking about running and they might smoke or certainly have mm. smoked in the not very – distant future and a bit worried about because with breathing it does yes for breathing but you can make excuses for that Mm -hmm. to keep on smoking going my wheezing doesn't matter um and i think most people that would smoke would actually know themselves that if you gave up smoking you will run better it Mm. might take a little while Mm. but i have been known to vapor as well (laughs) So it's, very, it's very hard, like the whole giving up smoking mm. for people. I mean, it's not a joke, actually. It's quite a challenging thing for people to do. Mm. Um, it's an addiction. choose not to. Like I've, one of my sisters, she still smokes. She just, she, or she vapes, actually. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that seems to have been the, the step. The there. transition. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I guess. And, I mean, you can give up and then it can be one little trigger. Yeah. And at one time I had given up for eight, nine months or something, yeah. and I go overseas with my job, go into a country, oh, their smokes are only $3.27. And everybody's smoking. Yeah, and, and everyone is smoking. Mm-hmm. You start off an exercise, well, yeah, um, training with the odd smoker, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like that's how defence is now. It's very rarely you'll get anyone that smokes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you find that you have 90% of people smoking. Mm-hmm. Um so it's just easy to fall back into it, isn't it, in those circumstances? Oh, yes, mm. yeah. And it's it's not good and you know that, but you mm. continue to go and buy $3.27 pack of cigarettes. <laughs> $3.27. Regardless of $30 <laughs> in Australia or whatever it is now, a lot more. So if, if somebody was listening to this and they are smoking or have, you know, recently given up or whatever, they, running is still a thing that they can do, isn't it? Like yes. It doesn't mean you can't, can't do it. run mm. if you really want, which I think is important. Because otherwise it becomes, as you said before, you said excuses, you were talking about the breathing, but it becomes an excuse why you can't start running or have to quit smoking like first it, or whatever. Yeah. Becomes and that. it just works, yeah, the other way around. Mm. It's um, You can do it. Mm. Um, it might be just a little bit harder. Yeah. But it is. It's it. worth it. It is. So, Just think how better your lungs will be. Yes. So uh, the other question that I ask uh, most people, I don't actually ask most people about smoking, but it's just that I know. Oh, excellent. You, you had a bit of a, <laughs> now a everyone knows. Well, I, started, I smoked for seven years before I started running. So, um, I do understand. Mm. Um, what are you actually thinking about when you're running? I usually do my grocery list <laughs> in my head. <laughs> doesn't mean when I get to the shop this guy we can remember what I wrote depending on the run if you're training for a marathon it can be 30 odd k's yeah so I go through what I need what I can make a meal plan so for a week or a fortnight what are you thinking usually about oh no I'll probably go a fortnight okay yeah we can have meals like this and um so that entertains me for a while on different That's things I can cool. have. I'm sure I'd forget if I was doing And that. then I go to the supermarket and buy tomatoes, onion and bread and have tomato sandwiches. <laughs> so it's actually not that complex. Really. It is. It's just, but you can come up with some really good things, meals. Um, 
Yes. Stir fry. Like a creative space. Yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. I can make this and I can go and get my pumpkin out of the garden and cook it in the oven and stuff it and yeah, wonderful things. (laughs) So it's still in the garden (laughs) and the birds have got to it now. Oh, well, you know, that happens. Yeah. Oh, just. Sometimes work on what mm. I have to do. Mm. <coughs> or I re- oh, it's not work on what I have to do. It's probably planning your week. Yeah. So what's on when up? I can get runs in mm. or what I can do. Mm. Hmm. That is then, pretty. What about if you're grumpy with Tim? Do you think about what, how he's made you grumpy? No, I just run further. <laughs> Once I was known to... We had a little bit of a disagreement, so I was like, I'm going for a run. And I ran in Brisbane and I kept running and I kept running. And at the time, he didn't run, the mobile phones weren't very popular, so I had to stop at a phone box and did ring him. Like <laughs> yeah, I did. I had a great run. And then I had to ring him to, to ask him, could he possibly come pick me up? Because I was 30 k's away from home. And then he said, yes, if I apologised. So I had to apologise. That was was a good way to sort that out, really. And then he come pick me up. You made him need it. Yes. So, um, yes, running, you know, can help you mentally. And if you're feeling a little bit stressed, Mm -hmm. you can go out and clear your head, Um, especially if you don't think about the things that you're stressed about and Mm -hmm. you just think about your grocery shopping or things like that when you get home you hopefully will feel better so is there been any runs apart from say injury so been any runs that you have finished where you haven't felt better oh yes yeah yes there's been a few yeah trial runs i'm not really a trial runner even though i do have an attempt at them yes so what happens to you in trail runs that makes it i just fall over (laughs) And then swear. <laughs> so have you had many injuries as a result of falling over on track? Oh, only ankles. But you can slip off. The same thing has happened, road running, slipping off or just catching the side of your foot on the edge of the footpath mm-hmm. and the nature strip. Um, like I twisted a pelvis doing that. Oh, wow. So just... Yeah, just that edge of the concrete yeah. and, yeah, twisted. and. So what's the longest you've been out of not run since you've been a runner, which is really most of your adult life? Oh, total running would be a couple of months, mm-hmm. but then you just, you bike if mm-hmm. you can or you swim. So you're always moving. Yes, or you just do your physio exercise 10 times a day. Go to the gym and lift weights. I actually see an exercise physiologist twice a week now. Mm-hmm. So that's one day we do legs, one day we do arms. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's through to do with back injuries um, yeah. and a shoulder injury through work. Um, yeah. And that's slowly making me stronger, which when you become stronger, you start to run better. Yeah, um, you better forward. Yeah, less injuries. Yeah, um, yeah. Running started to. I wasn't coping with the times I was doing on runs, Mm -hmm. and I think it's an age thing too. 
Yeah. Which you have to get over and go, well, yes, no, I'm not 21 anymore. And I'm not going to do four and a half minute Ks. I'm now sitting on six and a half minute Ks. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's definitely okay. And you can walk too when you, you need can. to. You can walk any hill. You can walk you know, anytime. I uh, talked to Amy, who, for those of you who don't know, Amy's a local superstar runner. And she said in her interview that um, there is no rule that says you can't walk. And uh, somebody repeated that back to me recently who listened to that interview and they were, they were shocked that Amy, who's, you know, an elite runner, was able to say, it's okay to walk occasionally, you know, mm. don't, don't think that you don't, that you can't And walk. everyone has. Yeah. Every, and every, you know, well, yeah, if they are totally honest, there has been a time yeah. when you don't feel 100%. You should walk. Unless you're out there, you know, mm. and it, it's often... You can have a bit of a walk and it gives you that extra motivation or energy or whatever to run the next to the next lamppost or whatever mm. it is um, or I, down the hill instead of up the hill. I've done Gold Coast Marathon um, and it was just when the book came out, the run, walk, run a minute, walk a minute. Oh, um, you can get, I think the, the, the book was based on the theory that you can get under a four-hour marathon. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, running and yeah. walking. Um, and I had this guy, and he would just get up to me running, and then he would just stop like a yo yo. And it was like <laughs> he done my head in, like he was like, oh. I just kept looking at him. I was like, What are you doing, mate? And then at one stage, I actually went, He walked, I walked because it was intriguing me. Um, and in the end, he passed me, yeah, um, yeah. with his run walk mm, theory, and um. He achieved his goal. So there you yeah. yeah. So and it was stuffed up yours. <laughs> yeah. It was just like you just get this person and you're thinking, yep, I'm going to get further. They're not going to catch me this time. And, oh, he's caught me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, in those times when you can't run, one of the questions I've been asking most people is how do you feel about who you are? Like a lot of us, I know when I couldn't run for a little while or wasn't running very much, it kind of stressed me out a bit because, and I might get grumpy and yeah. all of that. And it's almost because we've attached so heavily our identity is the fact that we can run or that we go for runs. So when we can't, we we don't handle it very well. Well, yep, totally agree. But I think too, because I'm quite happy, well, beginning with I was a gym junkie. Yeah. So I can quite easily you can transition. go back into mm -hmm. the gym. Mm -hmm. um, I remember you know, early 20s um, being in the gym and I'm, because I worked at them, but three times a day. And I had this woman say to me, oh, I won't see you again. It's my last time at the gym. I'm giving up my membership. I've had enough. And I was like looking at her thinking, how could you? How could you do that? You need to come to the gym. Like, what is wrong with you? And yeah, a few years ago, I gave up my gym and oh no, I've turned into this lady. Um, but yeah, once again, she yeah was probably the age I am now, mm -hmm. and realised that for her and her body, she was far better to walk. Yeah, um, and got more out of walking than coming into the gym and being outside. And I think. As you get older, your perspective changes. Yeah. Um, at 20, being in a gym, did I care about looking at the autumn leaves? <laughs> Probably not. But now, walking through the city park with the autumn leaves falling, you appreciate different yeah. things as you get older. 
and I was, you know, younger, you're so worried about a family and fitting in things and working. And as you get older, it's like, so know, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they should teach kids a little bit more at school about, um, you know, being mindful, which I think they do these days. It certainly didn't when we were at school. Mm. But that idea of appreciating those things from even at a younger age as well, just not that you don't go to the gym, but also um, what the outdoors has to offer mm. as well, just in uh, enjoying it, not not even mm. necessarily talking about moving, but just appreciating what's happening Thank around you. And as children, we probably, we did kick the leaves, mm. but That's didn't true. think anything mm. about it. Um, but I now know that the grandchildren um, yeah, they'll still kick the leaves. We're still doing the same thing, yeah. but they have more idea about the seasons changing. You know, yeah. we're talking eight to ten year olds um, and the environment yeah. and things like. There's yeah, a, a lot more information. That's or, kind of positive. I guess what is it? That young um, is she from Norway? Was the young uh, girl from? Oh, oh, I know her name there. My my children would be so grumpy with me. <laughs> That she's actually got a one-word name now because you only have to say her name. Everyone knows nice. what you're talking about. Mm. So the the young activists that having you know, the things that we can be complaining about with social media and getting kids moving, um, at the same time, if it wasn't for social media, they wouldn't know about. Oh, I almost had her name. Then. <laughs> they wouldn't know about um, you know young people being doing things like that, and not to mention she wouldn't have been out of reach anywhere near as many people. Yeah, so. yeah, and I and I think that's yeah our age group. We yeah we we didn't have the social media so it's so much Just bigger than that. Yes. Um, so tell me, I'm interested to know what it is about running that you think. What what's it given you in your life? What's the the thing that you think is the best thing it's given you in your life? If you had to choose one or two things, uh, friendships. Yeah. Mm. Yeah friendships, um, achievements in myself um, as coming over line at, and, you know, to start with, you start off doing 5K runs mm -hmm. and you're so proud of yourself when you come over that line mm -hmm. at a 5K run and then you progress, you do your 10s, you do your half marathons um, and there's, I can't really remember the feeling at a 5K but I know I was happy with myself mm -hmm. and quite proud that, um yeah, and my family were proud, you know, Jordan and Tim had watched me train for my 5K and yeah. 10K and then you do an ultra and the, the feeling's the same. Yeah. You know, you, you are glad you finished, but that whole achievement within yourself and it doesn't have to be a time for someone else, it's just your own achievement yeah, and your own goal is to goal finish. And, and mm. that line. Yeah, mm. and that's one thing I think I tell everyone that's doing a run for the first time is don't have a time. Mm don't need a time if it's your first one you need to finish yeah and then you can try and better next time but if you don't there's always another run yeah there's um, always another one because the hasn't been as many but <laughs> lots of um, virtual runs <laughs> yeah well see even them you know like you can go out and do it on your own and it's your achievement yeah i'm not really a stats person i am on yeah. strava um but i watched two guys go flat out up the back of the uni yesterday when we were running yeah went past and i said to tim after i said oh they were flying and he's like oh yeah it's a strava segment oh and i <laughs> didn't know i have no idea what is a strava segment um 
I know there's one along the West Tamer. When you can I was... create your own. You can set your own, you know, but... Yeah. yeah. Oh, look. <laughs> Don't ask me how to do that. <laughs> I assume there's instructions in there on how to do that. Mm. And it's, yeah, like with Strava, with cycling, you get to a point along the West Tamer and everyone just takes off and it's like, oh, it must be a Strava segment. <laughs> Off we go. So for those of you who don't know, Sharon, as we already said, she's a, a reformed gym junkie. I'm not sure. Gym, she will always have gym in her life if she needs it. Um, then she's a runner, but you also have done triathlons. So cause you keep mentioning cycling. So I thought it's probably worth mentioning um, that you've done the odd triathlon. Triathlon, also. yeah. I've actually qualified and competed in the World Championships at Kona in 2017 Hawaii Hawaii yeah so qualified for that in New Zealand in the March and yeah kind of was October so that must have been quite a I mean for those of you who don't know that is swimming maybe 2k is that right 3.8 3.8 see I don't even I think that must be another anyway so <laughs> swimming 3.8 cycle 180 180 and run a marathon at the end of it and it takes all day at least <laughs> um, so it takes a lot of training so the discipline to to do all that training and then i don't know i don't even know how you would handle the nerves to, turning up for that because i get nervous just doing a 5k race mm. um you have to become very selfish mm. um just for me on the saturday it was a cycle and a run off the bike mm -hmm. and a brick session they call it so you do a brick session but the bike could be 130k yeah and then you'd get off the bike and you'd run 25 30ks and then some basically you would eat go to bed next morning get up and then it would be a swim session and then another cycle or go for a run wow. so um yeah, after a time in your training program, you then have to start doing these bricks. Yeah. Or then you would do a sad day, you would do a swim at the pool. It's Tasman, it's too cold to go to the dam in the winter. Um, or if you went, if we were summer, you'd do a swim at the dam. Yeah. You would then cycle and then run. So you'd do your brick sessions. Yeah. Um, not a lot of time for anything else in your life. I would think no, and that it's that. when you're training, it's mm -hmm. your six months is just solely absorbed with doing, well, yeah, hopefully at the end. Were you working full-time or part-time at that time? Part-time. Yeah. Yeah. So there are people four who days manage to sort of, well, actually that almost feels like full-time. Full time. Because the people, you know, who have a full-time occupation of some sort, they have full-time work and who train for them as well. You mm. just wonder how they cramming all that in or you're swimming before work mm -hmm. or running um and then after work you, you're cycling or you're and especially with winter in tassie so mainly a lot of your cycling will be done at the weekends yeah um so you can get your 150 k's in and... yeah cold and yeah. and that was a thing training for kona was we were Tim was my training partner, so out around the back of Deloraine, we'd start at Norwood and go out mm. around the back of Deloraine to get in 150 k's. Yeah. Um, and you were just looking at snow on the mountains. No. Um, <laughs> Nothing like we were about to race. <laughs> no, and and that's another thing. You know, you you convince yourself that it will be okay, um, and then all of a sudden you get off the plane in Hawaii or Kona, and it's like okay. Cool. 
It's 38 degrees and 98% wow. humidity. And, and with your triathlons, and even if you're just your basic club triathlons, um, you can have things go wrong. So that's the bike has to be in good order. And, and you take your bike over, didn't you? So yes. Yeah. 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 So um, we've been out to the mainland, the big island, a few times doing triathlons. So it's quite hard traveling yeah. with a bike. A lot of stuff. Um, well, just a bike, really. Because yeah. then you have <laughs> luggage restrictions as well. So I was lucky enough. I have. We both have big bike bags. Mm -hmm. So most of my clothes went in my bike bag. Okay. So then between us, we only had one case. Yeah. So usually my bike went on as luggage. Yeah. Because it came in under. Oh, it was okay. Yeah. Oh, so you have. Yeah. Underwear jammed in your bike bag. So <laughs> clever. Pack. <laughs> <laughs> so that you can or you know like it ends up once you start paying excess luggage but, yeah so a good thing about going overseas is you get more luggage allowance so. mm. and then hawaii my bike didn't turn up so we flown from the big island into kona yep and um there was about four of us that got there and our bikes didn't come off the no. plane so they couldn't tell us when our bikes were going to come. Um, being an island, it was, yeah, maybe next flight. Um, because there was just so many people coming in yeah. to do the race. Um, yeah, that they were, the weight restrictions mm -hmm. and everything that the bikes got left. So you had these quite hysterical um, athletes so worried about their bikes. Because <laughs> if you don't have you a just, bike, it, turn it turned up. Um, we luckily, we went with, try travel um and they went out on the next flight and picked our bikes up so we have a, a dog that's just joined us <laughs> tiger sorry for the extra noise but he's he's sneezing all over Sharon. Mm. um so you, when you finished how did i mean the how you would feel finishing a race like that um if, unbelievable you just burst into tears emotion stuff, um, just to get to that start line through it i didn't think that i would actually finish mm -hmm. um because of the humidity i had a lot of screaming match at tim because i couldn't do basic maths of take the time oh. away from the time i finished i was thinking that i wasn't going to finish um he just kept yelling at me to keep running and just don't worry about it um so you, you end i just burst into tears and oh just a relief to finish and then I was quite sick afterwards so um just kept vomiting was dehydrated yeah um quite concerned that I wouldn't get back into Australia that I wouldn't be able to get on the plane because you were feeling so right. yeah unwell but I actually made the flight mm -hmm. um was okay and then got off in Sydney and bolted through customs as quick as they could get us through um yeah so it was Dehydrate. We did stay in Hawaii for a few days afterwards, mm -hmm. um, but yes, it's just not a very nice feeling. And it, actually, the island took something from me. Um, yeah. I left something. Well, I, I left something there. Yeah. Um, they always say that if you do Kona, you leave something there, and I definitely did. So you think it's because it um, pushes your body so hard? Yes, and because and I the conditions there are quite. Warm and, and quite windy so yeah. the race plan didn't go to plan as well um yeah. I'm planning on seven hours on the bike and it was well over eight yeah. um so once you start blowing times out 
your mind can take over. So you've got to try and reel it back in and instead of wasting energy um, or expending energy on how your mind's working, you've got to just put it into your legs to keep pedalling or just want to sit in a gutter. And because in races you see people just sitting in gutters with their bikes, you you don't know whether they're unwell, whether their bike's broken. Um, One in front of me, his back wheel came off. he ducked as it went flying over me oh, that no. hadn't been put in properly. Um, so that was at the beginning of his race. Yeah. Um, so all that time and effort and training doesn't mean that you're going to finish because you mechanically it can let you down as well. As well. So yeah. it's not just physically, yeah. it's um, mentally. mentally. Mm. Um, done Cairns Ironman. Two thousand and thirteen, and got to that we had to go up to Port Douglas up mm. the range. Um, I was so over it. Um, yeah, but there was um, one of the TOs, um, the officials. He was from Launceston, and I was going up with another defence member because I was riding under defence then, and um, we were riding next to each other. And you you actually have to go past or drop behind, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. and I just didn't have the energy to go round him. And this guy on the motorbike went past and waved his finger, and I thought, oh, I have to try a bit harder. So I probably expend a little bit of energy there on yeah. trying to get past because there's quite specific rules on on how you do how that. you're passing, how you have how far you have to sit behind, and got to Port Douglas, come round, and I just had enough and we just got past this um, nursing home and they were all out the front cheering and I just stopped and I just picked up my bike and I just threw it. Uh, And these two old guys in their Zimmer frames come along (laughs) and gave me a big lecture because I was had, um, yeah, there was something to do with Tassie there as well. And, yeah, it's like, get on your bike and go and pick it up. And it wasn't until it was probably three months after I'd never said anything to anyone. Wow. And I said to Tim that I'd throw my bike. And when you think about it, could have broken the derailleur. My race could have been over then. Yeah. But luckily enough, I got back on the bike and finished. It's all mental stuff to me, doing any of those sports where it takes basically a day is, well, continuous moving. And as you said, there's all these parts that are moving that aren't just related to your body, body. moving forward. Mm. Your body you've can let you down. as well in that case. And, and I guess if you're swimming, you've got goggles and things that can, mm. and I guess shoes when you're running, all of these things, things. could um, let you down. down. Yes, I couldn't, um, I come back from a deployment overseas and Tim was into club triathlons mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do them. I was not interested. I wanted to stay with my running. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I slowly started going swimming with him and riding with him and then got a new bike. And um, so then his goal was to do an Ironman together. Yeah. Um, he got sick beforehand, so um, he couldn't do that one. So I did Cairns. And then he still had that goal, so we decided on Melbourne Ironman. Yeah. And he couldn't do it again because he got sick. Tinny. Um, and then in the end, he won an entry fee to Cairns and I decided that it was his goal to do one. Yeah. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to do the triathlons. Sharon couldn't get ahead round them. Um, but, yeah, before going back a bit, I couldn't get my head round on you have a 
I've had a few really bad marathons. Yeah. Um, not bad. I finished, but it wasn't the times that I was looking at. I really struggled. I had injuries and I couldn't get my head around that you could swim 3.8 Ks and cycle 180. How was I ever going to run a marathon? I just could not get my head around it. Yeah. And he sat me down and it was one of the best advice um, that I was ever given. He said, right, so you were away overseas with defence. You got up, you done PT. I was like, yep. He said, that's your swim. You went and had breakfast. So you've come in off your swim. You're in transition. You can have something to eat. You pack a little mm-hmm. lunch box. And then you get on your bike, which is your full day at work. So at that time, I was working 12-hour days. So, right, so you finish work and that's your ride. And then you're back into transition again and you can have something to eat, which I was having dinner. And then I was going to the gym after work because there was nothing else to do. And he said, and there is your run. And when it was explained to me as simple as that, it was like I do that, I had done that for six months. Yeah. And that was the best bit of advice because I finally got my head around it because people said, if you don't get your head around completing an Ironman, mm. you will never finish it. Yeah. And once I had that, was like, yep, done PT. I went to work, rode, and then I went to the gym. That's mm. my run. Mm. And you can. And then fun. other people sat me down and said, even if you walk, if you do this time on your swim and this time on your ride, you don't have to be a really good cyclist yeah. if you do this time and you will make the cut off by walk running mm. you will definitely and you'll see in the Ironmans lots of people are walking and they finish yeah yeah that's absolutely and, you know, cool I like that I think that's a really good transition that we could make even for people thinking about running yes like starting running mm. because if they can you know you said before that going from you know the walk run uh, and a lot of programs will have people just running to the next lamppost and to mm. the next whatever. But being able to actually put a, uh, a barrier around it or a, a, put it in a box that you already are doing mm. in some way, whether, it, like you said, it was by breaking the day up that you already had, mm. but then uh, putting the layer of the, the Iron Man over the top, I think that's really clever. And you could probably do that if you were... To your own life if you're just starting running mm. well and and on you could use sad days for example as any a typical family mm. as a mother you were getting up doing breakfast getting mm. school lunches and things before your day even starts exactly. and if you're a working parent you would then go to work and then afterwards then you're doing homework so you can put that in and go right so you get up saturday morning mm. and instead of doing school lunches and things before your day starts just go out and do a couple of k's. Walk around. Well, yeah. one of the things I've done most of my running life, not all of it, is try and fit it in around. Like I've you know, had five children, as you know, and, mm. and some of that time has been really busy with all of the stuff with kids. So it was, okay, if I go now, I'm going to run now and, you, you know, Simon, my husband, and the kids will pick me up, you know, in half an hour or, or an hour on the way to wherever. Or... Even yesterday, I went to uh, my sister's baby shower and I got my other sister who was driving me home to drop me off halfway home and I ran the rest of the way. Right. So it was like working out how and with a busy lives, we can fit it in. Mm. 
with stuff we're already doing in many ways. Mm. So, and it's even taking children to a park yeah. and get them when they're learning to ride their bikes. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and running around, like I said before, you could end up doing sprint training because yep, you want to catch up or things like that. And, you know, most of the parks, I have seen women do loops around the park yep. so because they can still watch their children. Um, and sometimes that's a bit of an extraction. Mm. Yeah. From real life. Like, <laughs> and, and, well, and, then, and it's like they're watching the, and then all of a sudden they've done three laps around and they didn't think that they could run 800 metres. Yes. Um, There's no one actually who can't run apart from the odd person with some uh, real physical mm. reason. But apart from that, we all have the capacity. Uh, we just don't do it, mm. <laughs> apparently. So in saying that, what's what would be your tip for someone starting running? If they've never really run, say, since um, primary school. Oh, you can just run a walk run. You start walking guidepost, lamppost, or go to an oval and just run two or 300 metres and then walk the rest to the, if it's a football field, to your goalposts. Yeah. Mm. And then, or even to start with, um, I had people when I was training them to, we would just walk the sides yeah. and then run the goalposts yeah. and then walk around and then slowly we would end up doing the whole lap and, mm, and, and then just increasing it um, and, you know, as people got more mm. confidence. On and the then fitness. once they ran around there a couple of times, you can't keep it, you can. Or... <laughs> Some people quite like that. I ran six hours around a track at <laughs> St Leonard's. <laughs> yes. yes, there are crazy people out there yeah. who do interesting style of racing. Two hours, was it two hours one way? Yes, two, two hours, hours one way, two hours, hours the next way. because otherwise it's not good for one side of your leg, leg. it's always on the inside. Right. Yeah. And then you can just slowly go out onto the road and yeah, or run three houses. There's always if, if yeah. you don't have light posts or guide posts, you can run three houses or three driveways and then walk three yeah. and slowly cut them down and you find so you can do them. When I started running, I ran every day. Like I just just like you were saying that you and your friends did. Um but I didn't run very far, but I ran every day. First. So for me, there was something about being really consistent um, and I just decided it was a bit like brushing my teeth. I had to do mm. it every day to make it become a part of my DNA or whatever. I don't know what was going on in my head when I was 25. Um, do you think the consistency is important for most people? Yes, and because once you, just, you have that consistency, you have a habit. And once something becomes a habit, and I don't know, is it three weeks that something becomes there's a habit? There's lots of studies and there's lots of studies that say um, three weeks, two weeks, four weeks. So I wonder whether it's a bit individual too. Two. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, a, when a habit sticks, might be different from me than it is to you. Two, yeah. Basically. But I think, yes, with the consistency, it is becomes a habit. And once you have your habit, it's consistency that keeps you going. So... One of the questions I've been asking people, which is kind of relates to this and made me think about that a minute ago, and that is, when do you call yourself a runner? So for me, perhaps that running consistently every day, especially for the first um, year or so, I kind of very quickly started calling myself a runner because I'd formed that habit, habit. perhaps. Hmm. But um, 
I still do remember thinking, oh, I wonder if I'm a runner now. Like other people who didn't run would just call me a runner and they'd not think anything. Yeah, because they just you're right. But and some people don't yeah. think they're a runner until they've done a marathon. Yeah, so the, and that's not true. Once you go out and run, you become a runner. Yeah, whether you just go out and do your two k's every day. Yeah, you're a runner. Yeah, so it's I, I suppose once yeah people have different ideas on what a runner is and depending on your personality you probably wouldn't class yourself as a runner if you only went out and done two k's a day but you actually are exactly you put your running shoes on you're a runner you're a runner Mm. so lastly Sharon before I allow you to get on with your day you've been so generous with your time tell me um how long do you think you'll run for like you you've been running or a all of your life, really, all of your adult mm, life. Yes. How long do you think you will run for? I think we could have a real good go on having a Zimmer Frame running group in Launceston. <laughs> I think we could be on our wheelie walkies, <laughs> jogging. Maybe they'll put a new category in. There's no more veterans. It's the wheelie walker veteran. <laughs> I'll keep running as long as I can. So you're not as planning long. to stop, you know, um, Years ago, Simon and I had a conversation not long after we first met and he was talking about when all his teeth have to get pulled out when he's older. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't have to happen. Or yeah, If you look after your teeth, it's not like a definite, you know. It might happen, don't get me wrong, but it's not when you're X age, you have all your teeth pulled out. It just doesn't work like that. And I think it's the same with us and running and moving, you know, we might get some things that happen to our hips or, or whatever, but if we look after ourselves and, and are a little bit sensible, there's mm. really no reason we can't run basically forever. No, and I always, um, when I came back from Brisbane, always seen Shirley Brasher yeah. running around yeah. and she would have been in her 80s yeah, or late sure. 70s. Yeah. Um, and I used to marvel and it was like, no, I want to be like Shirley. Um I think she died in her 80s and she was still running. Still running, yeah. 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 Well, and and you, see, at the time. Yeah, you see these film <laughs> clips now of, you know, the, the track ones and they're in their 80s and well, they're not moving fast but they yeah, are still moving are still and moving. I, I think that's one of the big things. As long as you put one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and you move forward, you're still going well. Yeah. So would you recommend running for everyone? You can, yes. And there's no, people say, oh, my body's not built for running. Mm -hmm. Um, But we both know people that Simon's tall. um, He he still runs. Like why is it any different for him or Tim to to someone that's smaller? Like I don't see that there's any difference. Mm. It's... um, we can always put one foot in front of the other yeah and move forward totally so just before we wrap up is there anything you think we haven't touched on in regards to running that might help people make a decision to put on go buy some running shoes and put them on and go for a run around the block they just don't get caught up in all the hype to start Mm with Mm -hmm. just buy your running shoes and people will tell you that there's, you know, you have to have this and you have to have your Garmin and 
You have to have cool shorts or tights. No, it doesn't matter. No one really cares. Just go and get your running shoes and start. Everything else will fall into place afterwards. Got these magazines, you know, they just say, you know, buy your running shoes. But to start with, um, you don't need your Garmin watches. We, 20 years ago, we didn't have Garmin watches and we all ran and we, I used to get in the car after a run and wouldn't run up alleyways because I couldn't drive couldn't and drive track it, yeah. the exact time. And, <laughs> um, 